Hello and welcome into the Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex from Big Ten Network, and this week's guests are Charlotte Wilder of Fox Sports and Big Ten Network Manager of Research, Harold Shelton. Let's get into it. Take a look, listen, and enjoy. Look at here, look at here. With the catch, the finish! Oh! All right, we'll get to Charlotte Wilder in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsor, Northwestern University's School of Professional Studies. You can build a solid foundation in the strategic, creative, and analytic skills that are essential for success in the business of sports in the master's program in sports administration at Northwestern University. Find out more at sps.northwestern.edu sports. Great opportunity there, as always. We'll always uh, pump up the Northwestern Sports administration, master's program, it's a great opportunity for someone who is looking to get into the business of sports, looking to work at a place like Big Ten Network. Definitely check that out, and thanks as always to our sponsors up the road in Evanston. All right, like I mentioned at the top, it is Charlotte Wilder on the show. She's back. She was on the show a little less than a year ago uh, when she had first joined Fox Sports as a content creator, writer, and um, digital host, and, and just all-around utility player for Fox. And now she has uh, she's half of a traveling podcast that goes on the road for the Ultimate College Football Road Trip. And her and Mark Titus do all kinds of fun stuff for their people sports podcasts at these college football games week in and week out. We'll get into specifics of that and some of the fun she's had so far here in just a moment. But really fun convo with Charlotte, uh, somebody who is interesting, self-deprecating, uh, very funny, and just in uh, just someone who who is with the program and, and just gets it and knows how to relate to fans. So we will talk with her in just a moment. Um, a lot of fun stuff talking about her first two visits of the season to Wisconsin and Ohio State and what lies ahead, including a visit to another Big Ten game this weekend in uh, Norman, Oklahoma, when Nebraska visits visits the Sooners. And we'll talk about uh, the, the curse that sh- that her and Mark have put on the uh, <laughs> the host team. So hopefully that carries over to, to Oklahoma and Nebraska can get out of there with a win. So we'll get over to uh, Charlotte right now. It is Take 10 Podcast's second interview with Charlotte Wilder. She's back, and it starts right now. All right, I am very pleased to welcome Charlotte Wilder back to the show. She's a Fox sports content star and a host of the people sports podcast alongside mark titus so charlotte first off welcome back how's it going thank you so much alex that is such a kind introduction uh it's going great i kind of have to pinch myself that my job this year this fall is to travel from school to school and basically immerse myself in the fan experience so uh, I was telling you earlier, but if I sound like I've been smoking packs of cigarettes for 40 years, it's because being a fan entails, uh, you know, you get pretty excited. You get it. There's a lot of yelling that goes into attending games. Listen, the, the listeners are in for a treat because <laughs> I was sick myself last weekend, not from yelling in uh, at college football games, but just, you know, one of those things going around. So we got the horse voices. We got. Uh, you sound great to me, Alex. I don't know. Thank you. You know, I'm, I'm putting in uh, quite an effort here playing hurt. That's what we do as, as podcasters, you know. Oh yeah, Our, you know if you if you make uh, if you make content for the internet, a lot of the time you're playing hurt. 
it's a tough gig we have. Um, <laughs> and you know, we we did intro you last year. I think it was about a year ago to Big Ten fans. How you was it? Wait, I was trying to. When was when did we talk? When did we do that? Show? I didn't pin it down. I think it was like October maybe of twenty twenty. October. Okay, we hadn't announced the tour yet, right? That wasn't. No, no this is all new because I was gonna say like, you know, we we introed your situation and mm-hmm. how you went to a small liberal art school and didn't really mm-hmm. get the big time sports experience yet. And then, you know, a year later now, you have this ultimate college football road trip. <laughs> um, last year, you had just joined Fox Sports. So in a year, like, this is crazy, right? You've, you've been hosting this podcast. Now there's a whole tour built around you and your co-host, Mark. So just off the bat here, tell me how this show came, came together. How have your experiences and your stops been in the first couple of weeks? Like, how... Did we get this far in less than a year? You know, I, that's a question I ask myself, Alex, sometimes. I think, um, first of all, I just feel so unbelievably grateful to Dos Equis for really taking a chance on, on us. You know, I think our first live show that we did in Madison was a year to the day that our first ever podcast came out. And I don't say this as, you know, a lot of people, I think, you know, be like, thank you to my sponsors. And, and, and I mean this in a, in a really, truly genuine way. Like they, um, put their money and brand and trusted us with, you know, said, Hey, go represent us at these schools. And that's a pretty big, I mean, it's a huge deal for me personally, but it's also, it's a huge vote of confidence for the show, for what we can do. Um, and the first two stops have just exceeded my expectations. We'll get to that later, but basically the tour came about. Um, I think that everyone getting back into being in stadiums, the, you know, Fox is calling it Fox sports is doing basically the year of the fan and, um, the, the behind the scenes stuff. Like when I was hired at Fox, it was to do the behind the scenes stuff, to be the eyes and the ears of the fan on the ground. And then, you know, it, it, the pandemic hit and I, and I couldn't do that. And this is sort of the college football is the ultimate, the richest content mine for that really like it's wacky. It's wild. It's fun. But I've said this a few times before it's home, it's traditions. It is, it is the most important thing in people's lives, not because it's a sport, but because it's where they grew up, what they do with their family, what links them to a place. And so I think the point of sending us here was really doing the year of the fan in the, in, in the biggest way possible. We get there Wednesday evenings, we film all day, Thursday, various experiences on campus and around the city uh, that we're in Friday. um, I write a piece about it. Then we put on the live show uh, at a local bar and then Saturday, you know, behind the scenes content from the game. So I, I think it came about just basically because this, we can finally do it. And um, I, I really, I really do have to pinch myself. I've everywhere I've worked before Fox, I've been like, please send me to college football games. Please let me like figure out what it's like to be a fan at the school. And every place has been like, ah, uh... and sports illustrated. I, I did a, I think I went to three football, uh, college football games in 2019 to write about them, but this is like the first really immersive we're, we're betting on you chance that I've had. And, and it's so far been just unbelievable. Yeah. You guys have been killing it. Uh, it's been fun to follow and we'll talk about the, the live show element in, in a little bit because you are doing live podcasts among the people on Friday nights, like you said, but you're right. It's such a content rich environment at a college football game. It's such a production, such an event. And there's been all kinds of opportunities so far in the first two weeks at two big 10 schools at Wisconsin and then Ohio state 
this past weekend. So first off, mm-hmm. I saw the content, the videos come out, I read your article, um, embedding within the Wisconsin marching band. Yes. And I understand that was somewhat of a, a dream come true for you. So what is with the fascination? Like, I get it because yeah. I, I like college marching bands as well. It's like a thing that's kind of unique, I feel like, to American sports. It's just a yep. bizarre, weird tradition that has lived on. So why this hit home with you so deeply? Remind me where you went again, Alex. I went to Illinois. So we got the that's March right. in the Line there, but we don't have like the game day tradition that some of these schools have built up just because of the lack of football success over the last hundred years. So. <laughs> totally. Um, I, I honestly, I wish I had a better answer for this question, but I think it's partly because I didn't have, I had never seen a marching band at a college football game before I went to a college football game. And the first college football game I went to was when I worked in sports and I get there and I see these bands and I'm just like blown away. I think the logistics of it, uh, first and foremost, the fact that you can have, take take uh, Ohio State, for example, there are 228 people in that band. The fact that they can all know exactly where to be, when, what to do with their instruments so that it creates this living, breathing sculpture. That's essentially what this is. While playing music is unfathomable to me. Like I have, I, it, it truly blew my mind. And I also have such respect for the people who do it and dedicate themselves to it. I don't think people know how much time or work goes into it. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about my experience with Wisconsin in a second. But what draws me to it is that there's also an infectious spirit of the band. If you think about it, the marching band is really the beating heart of the fan experience on game day. Imagine going to a huge college football game. Imagine being at the shoe or Camp Randall and there's no marching band. It, it's kind of like NFL games don't have marching bands in the same way. Uh, and, and there is a more professional feel to it. There is the, you're missing some of that wackiness. You're missing some of the other, like the marching band is students. The marching band are kids who have dedicated every second of their extra time at school to making sure that when alumni, when current students come to that stadium, they are brought back to the same traditions that they have had over and over. And there's something so beautiful about that. And it just gets up. It sort of like lifts you up from your rib cage when you hear the trumpets start going and when you see them all march out and it, it, it just truly delights me. And I think that I am drawn to, I think the world is a really dark place right now and, and finding the joy and the delight is, is, a, is very cathartic for me. And that doesn't mean not paying attention to the things that are going on, but, but also allowing yourself to find those moments of joy and marching bands. I, you know, for, it sounds silly. I think a lot of people are like, Oh, Charlotte's obsessed with marching bands, but there's like a very real um, kind of deeper reason to it. Well, for me also with Wisconsin and one of the best parts I think about Wisconsin and Ohio state playing in the big 10 championship game a handful of times that I've been able to attend is those two Mm -hmm. marching bands because they have the best, but for Wisconsin, and we saw it in your video, it's the high knee kicks for me. That's, that's what does it like that to be able to not only march out there and, you know, hold your tune, hold your key. I'm not a music person. I don't know the terms, but to do it while doing these high knees, which we all remember from PE class are not fun. Right. Right. That's what did it for me. Yeah. I, so I went to band practice. I was there for three hours uh, on the sidelines watching the band practice and they were drenched in sweat. They had a training table. They all had, you know, athletic tape on them. 
in some form or another, they're carrying these tubas. Uh, Josh, Josh Richland is the drum major at Wisconsin. He's doing back bends and then just, you know, flipping right back over. They're athletes. It is, it is so physically demanding. Um, you know, I cannot high, high, high knees do those high steps for three hours. I can also not play an instrument for three hours. I can't play an instrument at all, but you know, the point stands like doing both of those at the same time. They do that six days a week. Sometimes they have two days, their sweat dripping out of their tubas. Like it's, it, it's an unbelievable amount of work. And to be able to see them on game day, I stood at the goalpost. I think that the video you were referring to as they all came rushing out towards me. And I really felt like, I felt like I was with the band. I felt like the Beatles were coming out. Josh points at me and I was like, oh my God, he knows my name. Like, and they are fired up. This is their moment. Like during the game, they're on the sidelines. They've made cookies. They're handing them out. They're cheering. They're, you know, doing human pyramids and then getting right back out there and hitting every single note perfectly. And, and the band director, Corey Pompey at Wisconsin is just absolutely delightful. And he was so funny in practice. Um, and so, yeah, being immersed in that was truly eye-opening because I, I, people, people are like, wow, it's cool what the band does. I don't think they know how hard it is to get a band to a point where they can do that. Well, you know, everything is, is spot on there. And then you got the chance to see another great band at Ohio State. And I, I know it's Titus's old stomping grounds at Ohio State, but as far as the content goes, you know, you, you were kind of the star of the show because you were recruited by Ohio State basketball by Coach Holtman, Kyle Young. There's another video out there I encourage everyone to check out. And there was another uh, interview you did that I want to get to in just a second. But first of all, how did this happen? Did, did Titus put, uh, put you on their radar as a top recruit? How did this come together where you were able to get inside that men's basketball program? Yes, Mark put a good word in with uh, Coach Holtman for me, and then our producers uh, made it happen, and I got to experience the full, you know, we did the whole bit, uh, for anyone who hasn't seen the video, which is probably a lot of people, but uh, was that I am a very valuable fan recruit. I'm a five-star fan recruit, and so what they ended up doing was sort of taking me pretending I was an actual basketball recruit and taking me on the tour that they would take a five-star recruit on, and we did uh, part of that. You know, they showed me the facilities, which I had never seen uh, the practice facilities of a, you know, massive basketball program before, or even a massive football program. You know, I've seen the, I've been in locker rooms, I've been in the press boxes, I've covered the games, but I haven't really, you know, gotten to go around where only players go, especially on days that are not game days. And um, they, we did a whole photo shoot because that's what they do with recruits so that recruits can feel what it's like to be in the uniform. They feel special. They have the pictures. And then if they commit, they've already got the content to put out. Um, and there is a, a women's uh, player who was doing it before me. So they had it all set up and they're like, why don't we just, you know, toss some gear on you. And uh, Mike Conley, you know, plays for the jazz, but he's a huge Utah, uh, Utah. He's a huge, uh, Ohio State. Can you tell I'm a little tired out? Huge Ohio State guy. He was in the gym practicing. He's in Columbus when he's not playing um, in the NBA. And they put me in this outfit and we thought it would be very funny if I wore the shoes also. So I'm wearing size 15 shoes walking down the hallway and uh, Mike's coming out of practice and, I, and our social media guys behind us. He got a video of Mike being like, you know, I like that as I'm literally walking in clown shoes. And I was like, perfect. Can't think of a better way to meet someone I admire than, uh, but it was just so fun and so funny. And uh, I, I'm really grateful to these universities for kind of 
playing along and coach Holtman was great. Kyle was great. You know, I show up, I do my bit, I'm making jokes and they just played right along with me. And that's a lot to ask of someone, you know, it's my job to do that professionally, but it's their job to coach and it's not their job to, uh, try to do comedy bits in a weight room. And they, it, it meant a lot to me that they were willing to play like that. Yeah. So you're immersed in the programs. You're also immersed in the campus community, all that good stuff. And I thought this was a nice kind of tie into our conversation last year, because we put a video out of you ranking the big 10 mascots. You were coming in, um, you know, a little Pretty cold, <laughs> a little new to the whole situation. Yeah. Right. Like uh, that was the beauty of it though. Like you were just kind of calling it how you saw it from the, as an outsider. Now that you are a little more familiar, you know, with the big 10 uh, I love how you, well, first of all, handled last year's uh, chirping from some Ohio state fans that were saying Brutus is not a piece of candy. He's a nut. Okay, fair enough. Like that was a distinction that we didn't make at the time. All Still good. Still also not totally convinced. Right. Anyway. So here's here's the thing. You doubled down. You went to a candy factory just to kind of throw back in those fans' faces. I love that. And and you interviewed a sweet old man who makes Buckeye candy for a living. Way to double down on that criticism from last year. Thank you, Alex. It was all for you. It was all for the throwback to the podcast. Do uh, it. Yeah, you know, I think <laughs> my approach to sports is um I remember what it's like not to have been completely immersed in them because when I started working in sports, you know, I hadn't been a diehard. I, I have been, I feel like an expert now, but, uh, it's, there's still things that I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I really feel like I have been able to keep that fan mentality of what it's like to be someone who loves sports, but isn't, but doesn't know everything and who, who likes the peripheral stuff, you know? So I, um, I thought to myself, well, you know, Buckeyes are a huge thing there. I don't think a lot of people even fully know what a Buckeye is. Um, I also am very curious. And I think that if I follow my instincts of where my curiosity leads me, there's a good chance that other people are wondering the same things. And I love seeing how things are made. I love learning things. I, I once saw this Sesame street bit where they went to a factory and they saw how candy was made. And ever since I have wanted to do that and we were going to Ohio and I was like, Hey, I bet other people wonder how these things are made. And so we went to the factory and figured it out. And, uh, I, I feel so lucky to work with the team, uh, my producers and our camera people and, you know, our runners who are just as game for this stuff as I am, you know, they're like, I was like, I want to do this. And they're like, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. And, uh, we put it out and I, I, I think a lot of it resonates. I think, um, people enjoy watching me make a, a fool of myself, but I think hopefully maybe they learn something too. And, uh, following, following the chocolate tree, it just, you know, it seemed the place to go, Alex. I don't know what to tell you. All right. So that covers some of the content elements we've done at these campuses. How about the actual podcast itself? Because as a, as a fellow podcaster, I'm curious, what is it like to do your show in a live environment? Um, you have to obviously change how you talk, how you interact. There's an interactive element to it. I should mention that the guests who show up in Norman uh, this upcoming weekend, you know, a lot of Nebraska fans are potentially going to be there. So uh, that's going to be the sideline bar and grill in Norman, five o'clock Friday. Yes. Yeah. So be there, um, chances to win prizes and interact with you as the host. How does it change from doing a podcast remotely like this to do, uh, you know, two under your belt now on the road? Well, you know, Alex, a podcast is a conversation. A podcast is background noise in someone's day. A podcast is something 
that maybe it's an hour, maybe it's 30 minutes, maybe it's an hour and a half, but when someone puts it on while they're doing the dishes, while they're walking the dog, while they're going to work, while they're at work doing a menial task, it's, it's meant to be engaging and you want to hold their attention the whole time, but it's also a comforting, it's like you're listening to two friends hang out with each other. A live show, I feel a huge responsibility to put on a show because people have given up time. People have gotten themselves to a place and I feel that it is, it is my duty to make them to engage them the entire time, to make sure that they are having the time of their life every minute that they're sitting there. And so I've found that, first of all, I'm a total ham. Second of all, I love it because, you know, basically when we do these at a bar, it's like a night where, you know, I'll be with my friends and I'll be really on. I'll be like, oh, I'm so funny tonight. And they'll be like, sure, it's just, you know, this, that, so, then someone else starts talking. I'm like, all right, yeah, I think I should probably shut up for a little while. But the whole point is that I'm on with a microphone and people can't tell me to stop talking when they come to hear me talk. Um, and so there's, it, it's really, it's really such a high for me, but it's very different. It's a show. It's a performance. Um, if I see that I'm losing the crowd, if people start dropping off, I find that it's very helpful to just completely zig. Like if we're zagging, and we're losing people, you got to zig. Like for, there was one show where, you know, we were talking about something I could tell we were losing the crowd. And I just went on this tangent about aliens and everyone's like, what? And, but they, they're, they come back and they're back in it. And I think that I'm lucky because I truly love doing it and I have a knack for it. And I think that, um, you know, and Mark and I do the show uh, just recording and, and with only each other, we're trying to crack each other up. But when we do it, for a live audience, we're trying to crack a lot of people up at once and you very quickly get a feel for the room and, and kind of have to, um, have to be nimble, have to be ready to call an audible, have to have to go with it. Like if someone asks you a question and our rundown does not include that question, it's a, it's very much like improv. It's a yes. And situation, you know, like you really go with it. And, and I think of it as how much can I give people? I want to give them the best experience. If this is what they want, let's roll with it. Right. We talk about this notion playfully, obviously that you're going to, you know, relive the glory days you never had because you went to Colby college. <laughs> um, so, you know, now that, that your Saturdays are not being spent at the library at a, at a liberal arts school, <laughs> Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's go with that, Alex. Let's, yeah. Let's run that exactly. storyline. And because I know, you know, how these, these trips tend to go, uh, at college campuses, you know, there's a lot of downtime, uh, maybe not a lot, but there is downtime and an opportunity to enjoy yourself. My question is, you know, where we are in our careers at our age, you know, I don't know exactly how old, uh, you are, but I assume we're in the same kind of millennial group here. Um, you know, when you're going out to these colleges, do you feel like an undercover cop? Do you feel like, a freshman since you never really went, you, you didn't go to a yeah. R5 school. What's the vibe when you're walking around uh, college bars and restaurants and local establishments? That's such a lovely question. Uh, I actually, I don't have, we have very little downtime. Uh, I think that, you know, there are, I think that there's maybe dinner once or twice the whole time we're there where I'm not working. Uh, so I, I, uh, I guess I feel more like a participant observer, if that makes any sense. Like while I'm in it, 
it's always clear that I'm on and working because I'm interviewing people or I'm touring places or I'm shooting something or I'm writing something like there really hasn't been any time that I've just been wandering around campus seeing what it feels like. And so because of that, I think it, it feels like I'm an anthropologist more than anything. It really does. It feels like I'm being given this unbelievable chance to take everything in and and see what these people love and document it. And that to me is um, is really the vibe of it. I think that if I were to go back uh, either as a fan just for fun or, or if I were only writing something or if there were kind of a, if we had two weeks somewhere, um, I might feel more a part of it or more like an undercover cop or more like a freshman. But I think right now I, I really feel like I'm there with a pretty clear purpose and um, that's to both understand and entertain. Very wise answer in case Mike Buckland's listening, you know, no, 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 dude, I'm not even, he was there last week and he saw what it, if my eyes look like they're at half mast <laughs> and, and I've got my coffee here and I truly, and, and I don't say that in any way, in any complaining way, like it is truly the most satisfying and gratifying feeling of tiredness because it's like, oh, you know, we are really in it. Um, yeah. And it's super, it, it, it's just, it's the opportunity of my career. So, you know, I'm, we're trying to uh, go as hard as we can. Yeah. And I mean, the content you guys, the volume of content you guys put out is, is un unbelievable. Um, the elephant in the room though, Charlotte, is that yes. at the first two stops, the home team's have not fared well. Yeah. They're on two. Yeah. Um, however, spin zone. <laughs> yeah. Going to Norman, Oklahoma for the Nebraska, Oklahoma game, mm -hmm. September 18th. Does this mean Nebraska might have a chance to pull the upset since uh, your, your curse is following you down to Oklahoma? So here's the thing, Alex. I can't say there's not a curse. I really can't. We went to Wisconsin and we went to Ohio State. Both of those schools should have won and they didn't. And in sports, superstition and curses are very real. And so I really, I, I have no defense. There currently is a Charlotte Wilder and Mark Titus curse. And what I'm hoping is that Oklahoma will be the school to break that. However, I want to go with your spin zone and say to Nebraska fans, maybe this is good for you. There are a ton of people in my mentions right now being like, Hey, will you go to, uh, we go to some Alabama games. Like, will you go, will you go to Tuscaloosa? Will you go, you know? And I think it's very funny because I really, I really have no defense. We're just going to see if this, if, if Oklahoma loses, what are they like 30 point favorites? You know, it's a pretty, I don't know. It's, it's up there. If, if Oklahoma loses, we're just going to have to lean in and own it. Yeah, and I want to reiterate, sideline bar and grill. Yes. Five o'clock. Yes. All right, I'd be there. Husker fans travel really well. I went to the Illinois-Nebraska game week zero, and even though my alma mater took care of the Huskers, they traveled. They were there. They showed up. They yeah. showed up, and they're going to show up to campus. So get as many of them as you can. They're very friendly people. See, that would be lovely. I have to tell you, Madison was one of the most pleasant experiences of my career. Everyone was so nice. Ohio State and Oregon, those are two fan bases who can get a little fiery. So uh, I'm very interested to see what Oklahoma brings. All right. Well, looking at the schedule the rest of the way, we mentioned Oklahoma at length there. Um, you guys have, just reading it off here, LSU, Texas A&M, Texas, Ole Miss, Florida. That's, 
that's four SEC schools and then a future SEC school in Texas. So mm -hmm. I can only assume that Mark Titus is planning something because he got to go to his home, you know, stomping grounds, his uh, alma mater at Ohio State. I choose to believe as a Big Ten guy that he is going to sabotage the SEC in, in some way. Do you have any insight into the plan, wink, wink, to take down the SEC from the inside? Alex, Mark Titus is an enigma, and if I could speak for him, I would, but you are going to have to ask him that question because I just don't know. Well, it's very – I will say it's very uh, cunning and keen by your – staff your crew to have you know first of all one of your producers Kristen mm -hmm. who is a huge Wisconsin fan and has mm -hmm. all the plugs there and then uh Mark to set you uh guys up you know for the first two stops at very familiar settings so I'm sure it's been good so far do you have anything planned coming up that we should be uh aware of maybe at Oklahoma maybe down the road something you're looking forward to getting into when you get into the very weird hinterlands of college football down there Oh man, you know, uh, Mark and I have a few things planned for Oklahoma. There are a few funny things we want to do, but I don't want to say what they are in case they don't happen. Uh, and because I like the surprise factor, um, I'm going to have to ask him about how he's planning to sabotage the sec though. That's a great question. Uh, I think, I think something that's funny is, you know, I'm from new England and a lot of my following is, is, is new England and New York. And a lot of his following is the Midwest. And when we head South, we're going to be you know, uh, what is fear and loathing Las Vegas where, uh, you know, Hunter S Thompson says it, we can't stop here. This is back country. Like, I feel like we're going in, we're going into a, we're going to an un unknown world here for both of us. And I am really so thrilled because these are all schools on my bucket list, but I think it'll be pretty hilarious to see how people, uh, respond to us down there. Yeah. You guys are in for it, but <laughs> It's going to be fun to see what comes out of it, out of those stops. Uh, can't wait for you to reverse the curse and, and bring some, bring some good I luck. Mean, to the honestly, well, let's think of it this way. What if every home team we go to loses? Then I think that, I think that becomes even like cooler than not than reversing the curse. We either got to go all in or we got to break this at Oklahoma. I think you go and eight. Like that's <laughs> let's just do it. Let's, let's uh, play let's this. Tank. Out. Let's just take. For next year and then you'll have you'll really have sponsors lining up next year to, oh god i know it we'll does will be and... like can you oh god <laughs> but charlotte will uh be watching and can't wait to see what comes out of these future stops great stuff so far thanks so much for giving me some time during you know one of your few down days and safe travels the rest of the way thank you alex so, you know there, there are no down days when uh when you do what you love <laughs> All right, thanks once again to Charlotte for joining me. Always a lot of fun chatting with her. Uh, she's great at what she does. Always very interesting and always a uh, compelling conversation when she joins. So can't wait to have her back for uh, round three sometime soon. We'll now toss it over to Harold Shelton, our regular guest here on the show. He's on pretty much every week or every episode that we have to break down what is going on this time of year in the world of Big Ten football. We also talked some Big Ten basketball as well with the Big Ten schedule coming out last week. And um, it's obviously mainly centered on Big Ten football with a lot of stuff happening the last couple weeks since we chatted previously and a really full schedule, exciting schedule and intriguing schedule coming up in week three this weekend. So I will uh, stop previewing it so we can get to Harold and get to the good stuff with him talking about the Big Ten football landscape. 
Big Ten podcast discussion with Harold Shelton starts right now. Very excited to be rejoined by Harold Shelton, Big Ten Network's manager of research. H, we have jumped ahead a little bit, talked to you pre-week one. We're now pre-week three. A lot of fun stuff coming up. First off, how you doing managing what is always a busy and hectic non-conference? Uh, we're managing. Uh, hopefully, well. You know, we'll, we'll see what the what the powers that be think. But uh, you know, I feel like we're, we're finding a lot of good stuff. You know, we're getting into you know good matchups every week, which is nice. You know, I know in the past we haven't necessarily had that all the time. So, you know, to at least have a bunch of really good matchups at least keeps you a little more engaged, gives you a little bit more to to look forward to, a little bit more to dig into. For sure. We'll get into a lot of those matchups here coming up. But um, first, you know, we usually talk about the guest that was on the show right before you, some of their athletic memories. Uh, as Charlotte Wilder makes clear in our discussion, you know, she's not necessarily, uh, you know, up there in athletic ability or familiarity with the Big Ten beyond uh, her career. But she uh, is obviously a good sport about it. And she's a good sport about their ultimate college football road trip being 0-2 so far and losing at the first two Big Ten stops. One of them, a Big Ten team won in Penn State, beating Wisconsin in week one. But uh, Ohio State took the L against Oregon. So my question to her, my question to you, is going to be the same. Is there any way the curse continues in week three when they visit Norman this weekend? Can Nebraska maybe uh, pull a shocker? Uh, I think it's possible. I don't think Nebraska is as bad as people think. And I think a lot of times narratives can push a team or a league one way or the other based off of, you know, one or two weeks. Um, I know they didn't play well against Illinois, uh, but like they quietly looked pretty good defensively, even dating back to last year. And I think they've held, I think it was eight teams under 400 yards now. Um, that Buffalo team is pretty good. I know they're, they're a Mac team, so they're a little underrated and not looked at as much, but like that defense was really good last week and they've been making plays. The big thing for them is they can't turn the ball over. Uh, that was obviously an issue in the Illinois loss. They protected it pretty well the last two weeks. You give it up against Oklahoma and Norman, they're putting 40 on you easy. And so they got to try to find a way to, you know, keep that game in the 30s to get themselves a chance. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, got to get him rattled. You see what I did there. Um, you know, Spencer Rattler is a dude who has been obviously – front and center for his whole career. I think he was on one of the, the documentary series. So uh, Adrian Martinez is kind of similar in that sense that it's, it's two kind of hyped up guys that, that have been under the spotlight pretty much from jump. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and the thing is like Martinez, you know, as a freshman, you're like, Oh man, this dude's going to be like the truth. He's going to be real. And then the last two years is kind of like, Hmm. Still waiting on the jump, still waiting on the jump. You know, lost his job last year, wound up getting it back. He's played a lot better so, so far this year. The big plays are coming back. And Saturday could be a chance where he can kind of get back in the national conversation and remind people how good he is if he plays well in Norman. I got to say, it's a pretty good idea, you know, that uh, Charlotte Wilder, Mark Titus, our friends at Fox have sent the podcast on the road. Uh, you know, wink, wink. Uh, we do have a, a Big Ten Network tailgate show. Let's... Let's try and pitch it for next year. What do you think? Yeah, I'd be down with that. You know, it's always fun to, to be on with you and, and talk a little football, have a little fun on the side. Um, there's nothing like a college football Saturday and actually being, you know, in the environment, 
No, it's definitely something I miss uh, with COVID. So I'd love to be able to get back out there. I know you can pull some strings, man. Let's make this happen. We'll try. I mean, we got a sponsor. We got Northwestern on here already. So got a great sponsor. Um, you know, maybe we can make a swing some. We'll see in 2022. Um, all right. Let's get into the well, – well, we'll reflect a little bit before we get into the weekend slate. And we'll start with Ohio State because we did kind of bring it up there, how, how the curse of the – College football road trip struck them with Oregon winning last weekend in Columbus, Ohio. And this is no disrespect to Iowa. We'll get to them, but this is just for continuity. H, how concerned are you about Ohio State? Is this like maybe a 2014 situation where they can run the table after a week two loss like they had at Virginia Tech a couple of uh, seven years ago? Or is this something that, you know, might be something Ohio State fans have to get used to where they're taking a step back this year? I think it's a wait and see kind of thing. And I don't think we're really going to know until we get back in a conference play. Uh, you know, this game against Tulsa, I don't think it's going to show much. But I do think it's interesting. Ryan Day was so adamant and so candid about, you know, how how bad it was, how much they need to go reevaluate, how much, you know, they're going to change things up. If that does happen, what do those changes look like? No, he didn't even commit to, you know, the defensive coordinator calling the plays this week. No, I feel like this is kind of the first time we've seen Ryan Day and Ohio State have adversity during the regular season. You know, he never lost a regular season game. And so it's just a different perspective, you know, seeing Ohio State already with the loss. You know, they've been this Death Star team for, you know, a decade pretty much. But we haven't really seen them lose under Ryan Day, especially the way that they lost. So I think it'll be interesting just to kind of see how he reacts to his first real adversity as a head coach. Yeah, we saw the cracks last year, and we've seen them over the years where uh, the defense allows chunk plays or allows a lot of points. But Justin Fields is so good for them that it covered up those sins and other quarterbacks in the past. Like, they've gone, you know, JT Barrett to Haskins to Fields. And Stroud is still, like, collecting all these honors, doing, I think, extremely well for uh, redshirt freshmen. But he's just not those guys, right? And it's not his fault, I don't think. But it's just a fact that he, you know, to, to maybe win a game like that, you got to be closer to perfect. And only a few guys on the planet for Ohio State can be like that. And, and Fields is, is here in Chicago, and he's not, not doing it for Ohio State anymore. So I don't know how you think uh, his play portends so far for the rest of the year, but I just think it's a resetting, a recalibration of expectations um, because it has been so good for the last five, six years. See, I feel like Stroud got a lot of heat, and I'm not really on that on that take per se. Um, I do think that there are opportunities for him to run, and he doesn't. And I think that kind of separates him from Fields, where there were times where you had to respect Fields as a runner. And a lot of those fourth down situations last week against Oregon was fourth and two, fourth and three, stuff like that, where they were throwing the ball. And, you know, Ohio State's usually a dominant uh, downhill power running team, big line and good backs. And they just didn't do that. And I think if Stroud had the element of a runner, uh, he seems pretty athletic. Like if he, you know, tucks it and goes a few more times, like maybe, you know, that helps out the run game. It keeps the offense on the field, keeps the defense off the field. And then, you know, I think the whole domino effect can go from there. So, you know, I think, again, it's only a second time as a starter, you know, I mean, Fields at least had experience at Georgia before he came up. 
you know, Haskins spent a lot of time behind JT Barrett and like came in in a big spot against Michigan. So like all these guys before him have been around and have played a long, long time. And this, again, it's a Stroud's, you know, second start and he threw for 484 yards. Like I'm not going to blame him for the loss. You say something about fourth and short, like fourth and two, three, four. I feel like the bears had a handful of those they went for on uh, Sunday night and, and fields was on the sideline uh, sounds like he he could have maybe helped in that situation, neither here nor there. But uh, I just think you you want your best players on the field. That's just me. I would agree with that, especially when you saw how you uh, ran for the touchdown. Yeah, that was about four uh, yards. Look, look pretty fast. Look pretty like, decisive there. Like maybe instinctive. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, maybe it, even if he's a decoy, you at least have to respect it. Yeah, I mean, it's a complicated sport, but sometimes I think the best players on the field. Uh, make it less complicated, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, getting back to like the Ohio state situation, we know how these things go. Like teams can work their way back into the national conversation very easily. I mean, they're not going to be out of that conversation, but into the college football playoff conversation, just by stacking weeks, building momentum, building wins. It's going to take a while. Like you said, like it's not going to be answered right away, but uh, a brand like that, a program like that, the opportunities are going to be there. We know how it works. Um, and I think the opportunities are going to be there for, for Iowa as well, just with the start they've gotten off to. Do you think they are now uh, national contenders? You know, they look to be the class of the Big Ten West, but now uh, with those two wins under their – or with the, the win over Iowa State under their belt, how do we think this shapes up, especially with the schedule? It looks pretty favorable just, uh, you know, from my untrained eye going forward here. Yeah, I mean, the resume at this point – I mean, I don't know if you could find a team that has two better wins than they do. And the fact that they went from 18 to five in two weeks just goes to show you how much the voters respect Iowa. I think the biggest thing for them is that offense needs to get going. Um, you know, the fact that they've been able to win the games that they have and the way that they won them, despite, you know, not even having 500 total yards in two games is pretty <laughs> miraculous. Uh, I don't think that's sustainable in terms of like making a playoff or, or winning the West. But at the same time, I don't see that offense playing that way the rest of the way. And Indiana and Iowa State have two really good defenses. So I expect to see more from Tyler Goodson, more from Spencer Petrus. And I think that offense will get going. And as long as they hold serve until the Penn State game, you know, which could wind up being a top 10 matchup, you know, beginning of October. Like, if Iowa gets through that, I mean, they got a real good chance. I'm getting, like, mid-20-teens vibes, you know, 2015 vibes from Iowa, 2014 from Ohio State, where Iowa, things just line up nicely in the schedule. They couldn't get it done in the Big Ten Championship game. You know all about that with Sparty, but, uh, you know. Most Ohio stressful State, game I've watched as a fan. Yeah, you gotta. that's where the gray beard, uh, beard hairs came from. No, not because you're Definitely some of them, for sure. I feel that. I wish my teams were in a position like that to stress me out that much. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm just getting throwback vibes where there's some parallels in the past with, with these two seasons early on. Yeah, and I'm, it's funny. Like, I feel like Ferentz always has, like, a super special team, like, every five or six years. You know, it was 2002 with Brad Banks. You know, that 2009 team was really good with Stanzi. And they started out, I believe it was 8-0, 9-0. And you had Beathard leading the way in 2015. You kind of wonder if this is the next version where, you know, they rip off a bunch of wins in a row. You look up, they're, you know, 
eight and oh or seven and oh going to Wisconsin and you're like, oh man, like if they get this, can they run the table all the way to the Big Ten championship game? And it's not that far fetched looking at the schedule and the way that the defense is, but that offense has to kind of meet up with the defense at some point. Yeah, it's just a how a healthy program operates when you're not at the very top of the top. It's like you know, you got, when five when seven and five is your worst, you know, your bad season, and then you can pop up every every so often and make a run at it. That's that's perfectly uh perfectly exceptional for a program like Iowa and, and for, you know, 98% of the programs across the country. That's what they aspire to be. Um, all right. I'm going to borrow our, our friend Joshua Perry's rankings here uh, because he ranked Iowa as the number one team in the big 10, rightfully. So he does his weekly rankings for us at BTN digital. He, he has Ohio state at two Penn state at three running through the top five here. Uh, Michigan at four and your Michigan state Spartans at five. You think you got it right putting Penn State behind Ohio State, even though they're two and zero with a, a top ten road win, top fifteen road win. Um, and then, do you agree that Michigan and Michigan State deserve to be in those four and five spots? Uh, I do think he got it right, and uh, I think it's cool to see that he's actually going off of you know the results on the field and the play on the field, as opposed to just well, I think Ohio State's the best team, so I'm just going to keep them one. Like they lost the game, Iowa's been great. I have no issue moving Iowa, moving Ohio State down. You could argue about the Iowa, uh, Ohio State, Penn State thing, but I think Penn State, I don't know if that was more about them winning that game or Wisconsin losing that game, per se. I mean, they were, I mean, statistically, they, you know, got dominated in the game, but they made enough plays to win it. So you give them credit for that, but it wasn't like they overwhelmed Wisconsin. So I'm fine with Ohio State being two. Uh, you know, so far, Michigan's defense looks very much improved. Um, you know, they're, they're playing Jim Harbaugh Stanford brand of football on offense right now where, you know, they're just lining up and running over people. Um, I, I think Washington is a pretty good defense. So the fact that they were able to, to run for over 300 yards against them does say a lot. They kind of have similar Iowa issues, though, in, in the passing game. You know, I don't know if you can run an Army or Navy style <laughs> offense and, and win in the Big Ten. And that's kind of what they're doing right now. You know, they're running it, you know, more than 75% of the time. I don't know if that's sustainable when you get to playing Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan State, Wisconsin coming up. Um, so we'll see about that. And, and good to see my guys at five. You know, I'm a little surprised they might be at high, but I do think they're pretty good. Um, I was cautiously optimistic coming into the season that the transfers and, and just like a real offseason program uh, would help them. And it looks like it has. Uh, if they win Saturday in Miami, I think, you know, they'll be back in the rankings. And, you know, from there, we'll kind of see what happens. Yeah, year two, you'll take that, even if it's, uh, you know, just one of our own ranking the the conference. But I got to say, Joshua is uh, a special talent at anything and all things football. Like the dude, no when he does his power rankings, he can just write it down. I watch him do it and then rattle off exactly why he picked and exactly why he slotted teams into each spot. Uh, I don't know how he does it, but we're lucky to have, you know, somebody like JP running this down for us, breaking it down. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, you could tell just as soon as he got to the network that like, he knew what he was doing and, you know, just a matter of getting reps. And like now he's got the reps, like he's super polished now. And you could tell he's only going to get better. Uh, that example you gave, like that doesn't surprise me at all. He definitely he knows his football and he knows how to you know, have it come off on TV or on video without confusing the viewer. And I think that's pretty cool. Well, he does Big Ten Network stuff. He does tailgate on-site shots uh, early in the week. So he'll go to like some campus early in the week. 
He'll do radio shows throughout the whole week. He'll do, he'll do digital stuff for us throughout uh, pretty much the entire week and then in the studio on Fridays. Then he'll do his shows on Saturdays with the Dave, Jerry, and Howard crew in Chicago. And that doesn't count if there's like a Friday game like we have um, this week where they do shows on a, a Friday or Thursday night if there's those, those games. And he has a, a job, like a real job as a, as a real estate guy. And he's my age. He's like 27 with a fiance or a wife. I think he's married. I can't remember if he's. Yeah, he just got married. He got married. Okay. You can't keep track during COVID. Like I can't tell, tell who's married. <laughs> Everyone was uh, going to the courthouse. It seemed like over COVID, but uh, I just feel insignificant because I know this dude is my age. Plus he's played in the NFL and has uh, that ring on, uh, you know, the championship ring from 2014. So uh, this is just me, you know, looking around and being like, JP's got it like that. And, uh, you know, we all, we all can't have it like that, but he's got it. Well, we could all, I mean, it's always a good goal to have. Doesn't mean we're going to reach it, but, uh, you know, he's definitely doing his thing. He forgot his podcast with hack, you know, Christian Hackenberg. Right. Yeah. Got that podcast. too. Uh, shout out to, you know, a couple former big 10 guys there having their own thing. Um, but yeah, he's definitely got it going. Uh, Does he have another podcast him. like, uh, uh, 2014, Ohio State. Yeah, thing with Evan Spencer. Yeah, so there's two podcasts that we that I didn't get to mention there. Yeah, so yeah, he he's a busy man. Uh, I'm not sure how he's finding all the time in the day to get it done, but uh, he's certainly getting it done. So kudos to him. Shout out to him for sure. All right, well, you guys are both harder workers than me. You're you're a busier man than me for sure because you were running down all these matchups across the league that we can get into here. Uh, we just recorded a segment for another video that we're going to drop tomorrow, but you were going through and, and basically explaining how this is a sneaky, very intriguing week for just scheduling across the Big Ten. Like, there's a lot of tasty matchups coming up. Um, I guess we can start off the top with Penn State and Auburn just because of the, the rarity that one of those uh, SEC schools, you know, packs up their flip-flops and comes up north. So uh, let me know, basically, top line, what's good with this weekend and why this matchup in particular is so intriguing. Uh, well, it's the only ranked matchup we have in the league this week. And, you know, the fact that you see a ranked team come up our way during the regular season, just in general, you don't really see it. Um, like LSU came to Wisconsin, but I was at Lambeau. It wasn't on campus. And so, you know, it's the first time, actually, it's the first time since 2011 and the fifth time overall that any ranked SEC team has played on campus at a Big Ten venue. And it's only the third ranked matchup uh, between a ranked Big Ten team and a ranked SEC team at a Big Ten venue. Uh, Penn State's had the last two. Last time it happened was 2011. They hosted Alabama. Uh, that was, you know, Penn State was kind of on the way down and Alabama was Alabama at that point. That'll never happen. Um, but I'm expecting. Al Alabama's of... coming up here again. <laughs> or did they... yeah, you want to talk about a Death Star, man. Hmm. Yeah, they're, they're scary. Although, did they schedule? I feel like there is an announcement. Are they playing Wisconsin home and home down the road? I believe so. I know they had one scheduled with Michigan State uh, back when Michigan State was, like, making their run, and they got canceled, probably for the best yeah. <laughs> for us a Michigan State yeah. fan. Uh, but I well, will say, like, Alabama and LSU, like, they will go play people. Like, we've seen LSU, like, the, you know, they've come up to Lambeau. They were just at UCLA earlier this year. They've gone to Arizona State in the past. Like, we've seen them go play people. Not many other teams in that league do, at least, like, the marquee ones. So it's cool to see 
you know, a, a Big Ten SEC ranked matchup on campus at a Big Ten venue is very rare. Yeah, I'm being too hard on Alabama. I'm, I'm poking the bear here. They're coming in 2024 to Wisconsin. Okay. That'll be fun. Yeah, that'll definitely be fun. Coming up. Uh, I agree. It's, it, you know, it adds a, an element to a weekend where there's the intrigue. There's something that you don't usually see, you know. But I feel like this season, I don't know what it is, if it's, uh, you know, just because we're coming out of COVID and we didn't have non-conference last year. But I feel like the, the matchups in the non-conference – are way more intriguing than previous years. Like I remember sitting through some weekends in September in past years where there's just nothing going on. Like there's all blowouts. It's all just kind of fodder for getting to the next week. But every weekend there's been some sort of, you know, a handful of fun matchups and and this weekend's no different. Um, So I I don't know if you feel the same way, just having gone through every game every week, every year, but that's just how it feels from my, you know, kind of perspective watching them all. Yeah, honestly, I I probably had to do research on it. Maybe I'll try to do that next week when we get uh, Notre Dame, Wisconsin. But um, this September has been ridiculous. Uh, Every week there's like a big theme and, you know, dealing with scheduling and the amount of ranked opponents we have and stuff like that. And, you know, it started week one where you had, you know, the two top 20 Big Ten matchups in September for the first time ever. And then... You follow that up, and last week we had, you know, multiple top 15 regular season non-conference matchups on the same day, which hadn't happened in almost 30 years. And now we're playing five ranked <laughs> uh, non-conference teams, and it's the first time that's happening in the regular season, you know, on a single day since 1975, and, like, no league has done that since two- 2008. So, like, the fact that we're seeing week after week, like, the ante keeps getting up. And, you know, I think a narrative can really take shape here if the Big Ten can take care of business. I don't think I'm like I'm not expecting a sweep, but, you know, if they win three or four of those games, like I think you have a really good chance to control the narrative the rest of the year. You know, I think Penn State and Iowa did a very good job of that. As you can see, both are in the top 10 after two weeks. You know, Iowa jumps 13 spots in two weeks because they were able to take care of business and control the narrative, and now they could stay up there the rest of the year. Uh, same with Penn State. If they win this game on Saturday, they're going to probably be in the top 10, you know, for most of the year, even with a loss. And so I think there's a really, really big opportunity here for the league to, to make a statement on this Saturday, and, you know, we'll see if – you know, if Indiana can bounce back and, and beat Cincinnati, if Michigan State can show they're for real and win in Miami, how real is Purdue? You know, they get Notre Dame. Notre Dame's look kind of shaky on defense. Another rivalry renewed there. Uh, you know, chance to go 3-0. and It's a lot of – lot. it's like a prove-it Saturday for a lot of these teams. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, like which of these kind of low-key intriguing matchups are you either high on the Big Ten – on or are you most uh, interested in because you mentioned some of them there right like indiana cincinnati it's a big game for cincinnati i mean they definitely wish that indiana would have won and beat iowa to, to up their resume a little bit they need all the help they can get if they want to make a run at this uh cfp but purdue notre dame michigan state miami like you mentioned minnesota and colorado like wh- which of these do you think maybe uh projects favorably for some of these teams to either steal a win or, or steal an upset here yeah, it's weird because uh, 
all of those teams you mentioned are underdogs, but they're all by like less than a touchdown. So they're mostly coin flip games because they're on the road. Um, I think like if it's a neutral site, you're pretty much talking to coin flip. So maybe slight disadvantage for all four of those. I wouldn't be shocked if Michigan State won. I wouldn't be shocked if Indiana won. Uh, and I'm sorry, Indiana's at home. But um, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if those teams won. Uh, I think Indiana, we kind of need to see the Michael Penix from early 2020. You know, after the injury against Maryland, he hasn't looked the same these first two weeks. And it'd be really, really nice uh, if Indiana, I think of those four, Indiana, I think, has the most to gain and the most to lose. Um, they're already on one in conference. If they can get a win, it makes the Iowa win look better uh, in week one. It makes the resumes for Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan, like if they were to beat or lose to those teams, it doesn't look like a bad loss to the public. So I think Indiana's got the most to gain and to lose from that kind of game. I think they can rise up and uh, make that a really, really good game. I wouldn't be shocked if they won it at the end. All right. So I don't have too much more for football uh, questions as far as they go, but I am curious about basketball because we missed last week when the, the basketball schedule dropped. And no worries if you don't have uh, the schedules in front of you, but did anything jump out at you from that schedule release? Because it's kind of a random time, right? It was just like a Wednesday in September when it, when it came out. Uh, as a big college basketball fan, I, I looked it over, but I didn't take too many notes or anything. I think, I think it's one of those things where we'll get to it uh, as, as the season approaches. But we did have our guy, Andy Katz, go through some of the top matchups he's looking forward to. Um, I don't know if, if anything jumped out at you, if this stuff even intrigues you at this point in the season with you trying to be so locked into football, but um, any, any top line thoughts on, on the basketball conference schedule dropping last week? Yeah, they always kind of sneak that in when you're right in the middle of football season. I definitely took a glance at it. Um, I'm always curious of the, the early Big Ten games that are kind of mixed in with football season, like right around championship week there or a championship game. Uh, obviously, Illinois, Iowa, December 6th sticks out to me. Um, I think that's a very interesting game. Um, I think you get Indiana, Wisconsin early in there as well. Uh, you got Wisconsin, Ohio State, I believe, is the uh, the day before my birthday on December 11th. So uh, definitely got some some intriguing matchups there. I think that's the last that that game on the 11th is like the last before we get into the full conference slate in January. Uh, so for me, like I know the other the other things, I always look to see like, all right, when are the rivalry games? Like, OK, when do we play Michigan? When do we play Wisconsin? And I'm sure, you know, every fan is like, OK, I want to see you know, when the rivalry games are, how many times are we playing them? But I know for me, I try to see like what are the early games that are kind of mixed in with non-conference play where you step out for those two games, who you got? OK, hopefully you can get two of those. Uh, at worst split depending on the opponent and then like finish strong uh, going into January by, you know, taking care of business in non-conference. I'm still waiting for the matchup where, and I really do like those early season, you know, first week of December matchups where you get the two games, get a little, little taste. I'm still waiting for like the big 10 championship weekend matchup where it's either the same schools that are in the big 10 champ game, or like we have a basketball school, that is playing, you know, like a, a Michigan state is in the, the title game or something like that. And they have a huge basketball game that weekend against Michigan, something like that, where it just really brings the whole weekend together and people can pregame and watch the basketball game before 
the champ game. I feel like there was a couple big ones a few years ago. Like it might've been Wisconsin when they were there against Ohio state, but nothing where it, it really just just like, Oh, this is a, this is the best possible appetizer for football we're about to see. Yeah. I'm definitely waiting for that. Um, and I don't know what it is like. And maybe it's just me as a Michigan state fan. Um, we haven't had like that Saturday Big Ten game. It seems like we normally play like a, a Sunday or the Thursday. And so luckily for me, like I can have all my focus or most of my focus on the football game. And I'm not like glancing over at the, at the Michigan State basketball score. But you're right. Like it'd be awesome if like say Iowa is in the title game this year and they're playing, you know, Ohio State and then you get Iowa, Ohio State as the uh the basketball game like i think that'd be awesome um obviously ohio state's expected to be good again this year in hoops so i I hope we get a situation where you get a lot of teams that are good in both of those sports and you can kind of continue that momentum for you know seven eight months throughout the year yeah we still got uh about six weeks till basketball season those those games start trickling out as far as the exhibition and the early season games come up, but it's, I feel like it's going to sneak up on us again because last year, none of those exhibition games really played. Like it was with COVID, a lot of the non-conference games were canceled. So uh, it's one of those things that I, I will gladly let, you know, creep up and, and surprise me once we look up and it's like October, it's like a week before Halloween and, and, you know, there's exhibition basketball on big 10 plus. Yeah. I think uh, I look November 9th, I believe is the first full day. Of, of conference i want to say it's uh half the league is tipping off that day like no exhibitions like just the actual real first game uh so looking forward to that um michigan state gets champions classic you know every year on that day so we get kansas right out the gate in new york so that ought to be interesting just to kind of see what they look like completely i won't say completely new but definitely uh a newer team trying to find an identity I think it's like that with a lot of Big Ten teams. So, you know, we lost a lot of star power, but we still got guys back. Looking forward to seeing how uh, they progress over the next two months before we get started. Well, I never remember this being the case, but I saw just looking at Illinois schedule, they have two exhibition games in October. Like, I don't remember that ever being a thing, but uh, I'm, I'm here for it. And then we got to talk about your, uh, you know, Spartan Dogs, all the legends coming back, kind of bandwagoning on the uh, Ohio State idea of like bringing all these dudes back to campus, letting them run, work out with the current team, bring them to the football game, um, just having a good, you know, really good PR weekend and, and showing off and, and doing a victory lap of, hey, look at all these NBA guys we got and some guys who, you know, might not be in the NBA anymore or never made it, but are still really quality players that you want to have, have around the program and bring back to campus. Yeah, it was cool to see that. Um, I know Izzo usually has like a huge alumni weekend or like a whole bunch of players come back and, you know, they all like go hang out at his house and they all, you know, have a good time and reminisce and all that stuff. But this is the first time I remember it being like public, you know, the media getting all these videos and and shout out to Travis Walton, uh, former Michigan State point guard on the uh, 2019 where they went to the national championship game. And I think it was kind of his brainchild to have this Spartan dog grind week. And like he, cause he's a basketball trainer now, he and a bunch of other trainers kind of designed this whole program for, uh, you know, the current and alumni to kind of go through the paces and, you know, conduct a workout together, 
And, you know, hopefully that's something that sticks. But, yeah, it was great to see, you know, Draymond and Miles and Jaron and Bryn and Cassius and Henry and Payne and all these guys come back. Tell me. Uh, you know, it really shows, like, that family atmosphere that the program promotes all the time. I mean, that really is, like, the end result of what you're going for as a as a college basketball programmer. That's, that's the goal. Like, and you're right that they – projected it and, and amplified it as a PR opportunity because that is now one of the best built in advantages aside from name, image, and likeness. And it kind of blends with the name, image, and likeness um, situation. That is the advantage that colleges have over the G league, the overtime league, Europe, anything like that. Because if you have this family atmosphere, they're always welcome back in. Like that's something that these other pop-up leagues can't offer. It is a connection that will continue paying you back, you know, through name, image, and likeness or through deals well beyond your college years. And that's the draw. That's the, that's the brand that, that uh, most pro- programs are striving to be. So I, I love it just because, again, I'm a big college basketball guy. And, and I've been saying, like, yeah, whatever. Go, to, go do your one league, one year in the overtime league or the, the G League select if you want. Like, get the bag. But – you will be missing out on this type of experience. Yeah, and I think now with NIL, you know, depending on the school or whatever, like you can get paid in college too now. Like you don't have to just go to the G League or Europe or the OT League to, to like get your money. Now you can get it in college. You can have that network once you're done to fall back on. And even while you're still know still in the league or playing in Europe or whatever it is you still have that network to come back to like you mentioned um these pop-up leagues you won't have that there's no like G League reunion you know for a bunch of guys like that's just just not gonna happen um you know I I think the fact that you see a guy like Jaron come back and you know he was a one-and-done guy which are very rare under Izzo and, you know, there's a lot of talk about how Izzo mismanaged Jaron and, you know, he didn't play him in the Syracuse game and how, he, you know, he wasted his time and all this and that. And it's funny seeing him, like, always promoting Michigan State, like, no matter what the situation is, um, despite the quote-unquote mismanagement of his career, which I didn't agree with anyway. But, um, you know, again, to your point, like, that network's there, that family atmosphere is there. And again, it's just cool to see like all these former alums come back and like contribute to the program and hang with the younger guys. And, you know, I know Magic was back. I didn't see him in the video, but uh, I know he was back too. So I'm sure he has some stuff going on behind the scenes. Yeah. So definitely had to bring that up. You know, I, I knew you'd enjoy that. I got a kick out of it as well. So good stuff all around. Um, Harold, that's all I got for you this weekend. A lot of fun stuff ahead. A lot of fun games to look forward to. That Big Ten light at the end of the tunnel is is in sight. You know, we can see it. You'll you'll get a fewer games to break down and, and be able to dive deeper into our, our league coming up soon. But uh keep grinding we'll we'll talk pretty soon here on the show. Yeah, sounds good, man. Like you said, I'm definitely ready to uh watch some football on this Saturday and then move forward when we get less notes that I have to write and I can kind of just dive into the to the conference matchups. I'm definitely looking forward to that. All right, man. We'll get there. All right, thanks once again to Harold and Charlotte for joining the show. Another uh, great pair of discussions here, and hopefully everyone had as much fun listening to that as I did recording. Um, two, you know, 
really great people in the sports industry and we're lucky to have Harold every week and lucky to have Charlotte on now as a recurring guest as well. Thank you to everyone who has tuned in. Uh, if you're listening for the first time or if you have not yet subscribed, please do so on platforms where podcasts are available. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean. And if you want to see these interviews and watch the videos beyond the videos that we put out to promo these on social media, please go to the YouTube channel, um, Big Ten Network's YouTube channel, that is, by searching Big Ten Network on YouTube, subscribing to that channel, and finding a playlist for the Take 10 podcast where you can see every episode since uh, pretty much the COVID pandemic started. We've been doing these on video since March of 2020. So these are all now on YouTube where you can go back and watch, see the guest reactions to my amazing questions and um, watch these episodes in their entirety. Thanks as always beyond that to Julie Bronder for editing the show. And we'll be back at you soon with... More guests, more content, more fun here on the Take 10 Podcast.